Chapter 49 The Fugitive's Thoughts They accepted me. I was one of them. A poetry hunter. They didn't know that I was a lie, a fraud in cheap clothing. They believed I was a natural-born poetry hunter. No experience, no training, but mine was experienced by right of birth or something. It didn't matter. They didn't know the truth. The poetry hunters believed what they wanted, what they saw wasn't the truth. Yes, I could stand before wild poems. Poetry didn't touch me, harm me, kill me, leave me a mindless beast of the nameless forest. The poets call this natural talent, innate and inherent abilities. I didn't even know I had. What I knew was that I couldn't be killed, not by them, not by monsters, giant frogs, or monstrous verse. But I wasn't going to tell them that. I saw no reason to inform them that Del Morgan held the secret of my life in her hands. Del Morgan had my heart held it in her palm, a dripping blood still pulsing, beating, yielding me life, even held in her hand. As long as she held my heart, I would live. It didn't matter what was done to me, I would live. I had been killed, my body ravaged, burned, mutilated, eaten. It didn't matter, they didn't touch my heart. So I survived. The wild poetry couldn't kill me, nor could they drive me insane. Del Morgan had seen to that. She had taken from me all the secrets of my mind. I don't know how, I don't know when, which is part of the beauty of it. All I knew was that I had no memory. I remembered nothing of life before Del Morgan. I knew little of what happened after. Let me rephrase that. I didn't think about what happened after. It was as if my brain simply switched off, selective denial. I knew things, but I didn't think about them. I didn't think about not thinking about them. I didn't know what I knew. Sometimes... Things crept through the cracks, usually when asked a question. I could answer questions, wondering how I knew the answer. I would forget just as quickly, simply stop wondering what I was thinking about, forget that I was trying so desperately to remember something. The wild poetry couldn't touch me, and the poetry hunters loved me for it. This bothered me. Aside from every thought I ever had about not being able to trust them, there was a larger issue. I worked for Del Morgan. The patrons of the library in Lands of Forgotten Dreams didn't like Del Morgan. If they noticed the link, yeah, I don't know what would happen. It would hurt. I knew that much. I was also a fugitive. Forget about Del Morgan. She's unimportant at this point. There was an even larger issue than the patrons discovering that I worked for her. I had to worry about what would happen if they discovered that I had defied and defiled the common market. Let's not forget that. They had trapped me in a cage without bars or a door for that. A cage from which I had escaped. When the fair folk discovered what had happened to the one who had tried to free the slaves, 
Yeah, I don't even like to think about what would happen. Okay, it had only been two slaves, and okay, I don't rightfully know that they had even been slaves, but they had been. Beowulf Drake had taken them to market. He was going to sell them, rip out their hearts and their souls, just as it had been done to me. So I had saved them. So I had rescued them. So they had died. Stranger than fiction, I tell you. Who comes up with this stuff? So there I was, looking for a book that James Joyce never wrote. I don't even know why I was searching for it anymore. When Del Morgan learned what I had done, she would kill me. Crush my heart and hope I die. Only reason I was still alive was because the punishment of life was worse than death. If I took her Lucifer's widow, well, what did I expect? She would probably kill me, never let me on another errand. I would never find my heart. One of those. The poetry hunters had offered me a choice. It was one that I'd heard before, which made it all the more disturbing. Disturbing? Windermere had once told me that I could be free of Del Morgan, and all I had to do was ask. She had told me that I need but confront Del Morgan, tell her I was leaving, that I no longer wanted to be her slave, and I could belong to Windermere. Yeah. Morgan Greywald had told me more or less the same thing. He hadn't used, you know, he hadn't used those words, but their meaning, same difference. I could leave the past behind me, that's what he said. I could forget all that I'd ever been and everything that I ever was. I could join the poetry hunters, something entirely new. I would be free. Slave to no one. It was appealing. I didn't know what I was going to do. The poetry hunters? Poetry hunters were wonderful. They hid nothing from me. We returned to Dayside, masters of the hunt. We had tracked, fought, hunted, defeated one very nasty poem. There was feasting, there was celebration, there was rejoicing, it was one glorious party. Not all at once. That was the interesting part. There was no grand celebration, even though everyone celebrated. The hunters went back to their wives and families. They returned to their husbands and daughters, mothers and sons. They rejoiced as families and celebrated in groups of neighbors. I don't think I ever saw more than a dozen at any one party. Everywhere I went, I was accepted. There was no doubt, no question, no reason. I was invited. I was there. That's all that mattered. I learned nothing more of Lucifer's widow, and I didn't care. It was wonderful. I was accepted. And I didn't have a thought or care in the world for the first time in my very short and meaningless life. I was accepted. We went on another hunt, that goes without saying. And this time we weren't after such game as a monstrosity that we had brought down. Nah, this hunt was for food or 
to be more exact, it was to sell to the fair folk so we could buy food. We were kind of like fur traders. We would hunt, catch, skin, kill, and we would take the remains to the fair folk for a fair price. I don't know how long we hunted. There was a lot of us, and we were in no hurry. It was hours, it was days. We traveled the roads and entered the forest, moving between trees that were dark and green and as old as time. We were searching for the deep woods where poetry grew, where the wind grows thick with verse and the branches rustle with their passage. I took one more cautious step and found myself among them. The poems drifted around me like sleeping clouds before the storm. I looked up, admiring drifting willow and sapphire jewels. There was the edge of mercy, the quiet lightning. The wind rose in a swirl to steal the breath from my lungs. My arms twisted upward in their caress, and I almost dropped my grounding stick. The trees surged, clinging desperately to the earth beneath a wind that would smash the sky. I was alone. Blinking tears from my eyes, the forest empty, the others gone. Hearing voices, I ran. They were ahead of me, escaping, trying to flee. The poetry hunters following, chasing, herding, hunting. We raced the wind, the wood flowing all around us, the poems before us, rushing forever onward. My lungs burned, my feet ached, arms were numb. I don't know if I still held my grounding stick. The forest was a rush, branches and twigs and leaves and sticks snapping at me, smashing me in the face. I was among them, running with the poetry hunters, driving the wild poetry. We would force them from the wood, we would surround them, we would taunt them, taste them, capture them, kill them. The prize would be ours to take back to the fair folk. We were the river, the flood of all nations, we were the tide, the waves, the might of the ocean, and we ran into a mountain. Pushing into it, turning, squandered, floundering, the poem slipping away like so many leaves from the forest, I stood face to face with another man. Our grounding sticks locked together, hopelessly entangled. I didn't recognize him. Ambush! He wasn't alone. Just like that, we were matched one to one, as if two great waves had smashed into each other, all the tides mingling together. Morgan Gray Wold stood beside me, his binding stick forgotten, lost somewhere in the dust and the earth. In his hand, he held a gun. I hadn't seen a gun since... I hadn't seen since... Hell, I don't know if I've ever seen one before. Well, outside of movies... Morgan pointed the gun at the stranger with her grounding sticks tangled together. He pointed it at the stranger's head and pulled the trigger. This audio recording of The Fairbrook Gideon and the Tale of the Donkey is copyright 2011 by Keith T. Jones. All rights reserved.